0: Hi, Caitlin.
1: Welcome to our podcast. It's called...
0: Here's what we know. Good job. A competitive learning podcast.
1: Where we compete to learn against each other to prove who is the smarter twin once and for all.
0: It was who last time?
1: Me. Okay.
0: Well, so if you haven't listened to the first episode of the show, I don't know why you're listening to the second, but here's how we do things around here. Caitlin and I bring a topic, a different topic. I don't know Caitlin's. She doesn't know mine. And we'll just do a little quiz. We'll, we'll presenter topping do a little quiz for everyone we'll throughout. See, yeah, throughout. Throughout, throughout. And we'll see who who's got the wider breadth of knowledge on
1: the subject that we've. What's our grand prize today?
0: The grand prize today is a Coca-Cola thermometer.
1: Ooh! You get to take that right off the wall and put it in my room.
0: <laughs> you get to bring it back with you. I'll, I'll wrap yeah, it up. Yeah, I get to bring it back to school. With I'll you. wrap it up for the winner, even if it's me. Okay, so. Selling. Housekeeping. This is episode two. Uh episode one came out what, five months ago?
1: Something like that. Something like that.
0: You thought we wouldn't do it, audience. You thought we wouldn't make a second one. You thought this was was gonna be one of those stupid podcasts that they just made one episode. Give
1: up. You never had any hope. For us, for our dreams.
0: Well, look who's wrong now.
1: Suckers. We're
0: starting to record after six attempts of doing an intro. We've got the seventh one, and everyone knows, lucky number seven. Gotcha. Okay. Let's just jump into it, you think?
1: I think you should start, because the (sighs) last episode, I had the first one. (laughs) All right. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. Let's see if there's a theme between our topics again. Oh,
1: gosh. Okay.
0: I'm going to start off with a question for you.
1: Oh, okay. Question
0: number one. What does bowling have to do with peppermint?
1: Sometimes bowling balls have a swirly pattern on them like a peppermint may.
0: Ooh, that's an, that's an interesting answer.
1: What? Is that it? Uh, no. <laughs> that's not <laughs> what I was
0: going for. But anyway. Okay. Okay. <laughs> American Machine and Foundry, AMF, was a company founded in 1900, turn of the, turn of the century, by Rufus L. Patterson inventor of the first automated cigarette machine.
1: Wow. Which was a machine
0: that rolled and baked and concocted cigarettes. Mm. The company began by manufacturing, ooh, wow, uh, cigarette machines, uh, as well as baking machines and stitching machines. (laughs) Who would have thunk? Who would have (laughs) thunk? So, forget about that guy. 1943, Moorhead Patterson, Rufus Patterson's son, took over AML. So this was this was like after World War II, or right before World War Two ended, but after World War Two ended, Patterson decided the company needed to grow or die, his words. Question two: What product did he make cool. to grow? What what name one product that he added to grow the company?
1: Uh, bowling balls. Hey, yes! Bowling
0: balls. Uh, that was an easy one. So. That's um, bowling. In the 1940s, Patterson discovered a prototype for an automatic bowling pin setter. Exciting. And moved AMF into the bowling business. The AMF pin spotter was perfected and put on the market in 1952, helping turn bowling into the most popular U.S. participative competitive sport. and AMF into the manufacture of bowling equipment, including pin setters, Bowling pins and bowling balls.
1: That's very impressive. They
0: also <laughs> owned and operated bowling centers.
1: Oh, pretty, and the bars attached to them?
0: Pretty fun fact there. But they didn't just do bowling. Oh, no. This company, company, <laughs> to grow or die. In 1949, AMF developed a pretzel bender. A a pretzel-making machine, basically. (laughs) That rolled and tied 50 pretzels a minute.
1: Twice the rate
0: that of a professional baker. Wow. In what year? 1949. Took him till 49 to make a pretzel machine. Then, AMF continued to buy various companies, starting to expand their recreational equipment production. They manufactured scuba gear, golfing equipment, and even engine-powered toy airplanes. In 1950, AMF even entered the bicycle industry after purchasing Roadmaster. Oh
1: my gosh, they have really got their fingers in everything.
0: Yeah, they got a lot of pies, a, oh, a lot of
1: fingers, and a lot of pies. A lot of
0: recreational pies. They're dipping their fingers in. <laughs> um. Gross. So, at this point in my presentation, you might be wondering, what the heck does this have to do with peppermint? Well,
1: I, ha- I hadn't even <laughs> gone back to that train of thought yet, but I'm right with ya. So you.
0: So st- That's thats why I put this in here, because I knew you would forget about peppermint totally by this point in the presentation. So
1: this is going to be about peppermints, or is it about bowling balls? Well,
0: the, or do you remember the original question?
1: What do bowling balls and peppermints have in common?
0: All right, now I'll continue. My <laughs> Hopefully the whole thing should answer your question.
1: Okay.
0: Um, well, you're going to need some historical
1: context before. more historical context I mean
0: the the other thing was a little bit of history but now New York December 8th 1953 President Dwight D. Eisenhower makes a speech to the UN General Assembly a speech entitled Adams for Peace what was this speech about? question three
1: Adams for Peace? Adams for Peace Adam like the name Adam
0: Adams for Peace a T O M S. Oh.
1: Um It was about uh nu- the future of nuclear war.
0: <gasps> that is actually right. What? Um
1: uh. <laughs> no, I should change my major.
0: Yeah, you should change it to Cold War History. A quote from the speech. I feel impelled to speak today in a language that in a sense is new. One which I who have spent my, spent so much of my life in the military profession, would have preferred never to use. That new language is the language of atomic warfare. The United States then launched an Atoms for Peace program. It shared information and equipment to schools, hospitals, and research institutions throughout the world. But why did Eisenhower implement these programs?
1: Um... Uh, uh... I don't know.
0: That's a good answer, but not right. <laughs> so this was a I propaganda right. campaign aimed at emotion management, and it is this, this thing he called containment. Uh, basically, he was providing the world with information about nuclear research to balance the fears of nucle- nuclear armament uh, with promises of pr- peaceful uses of uranium in nuclear reactors. Oh, and so like it's research. not all bad? Yeah. So basically... He wanted to keep building up nuclear weapons because that would mean he's got bigger guns than everyone else. But to make all of the al- all his allies and the world feel more comfortable with that, he's like, "Oh, here's information on how to make a nuclear reactor.
1: Oh, like we oh, can use we can use this technology knowledge. for good.
0: We can use this technology for get, good. You can use this in this specific way. You can you can build a reactor, but you can't build weapons. That's our Back to AMF, uh, oh. American Machine and Foundry. Back at it again. One of the post World War II ventures was AMF Atomics, a division that made low dose irradiation, food irradiation for the U.S. Army Quartermaster Quartermaster Corps uh, bulk food irradiation program. Basically, they made they would irradiate packages of food to like clean it of bacteria and stuff. Low dose, and it, it preserves longer if you do that. It's like cleaning. Gotcha. Um Patterson recruited Walter Bedell Smith who w- who had leadership positions at the Pentagon, US State Department and CIA to work for um
1: oh my. AMF.
0: His his role at AMF would help make the company become a major part of what Dwight D Eisenhower referred to as what?
1: Question 5. Ooh, um the mighty um, missile men. The mighty missile men is not right. Ah, uh,
0: the military-industrial complex.
1: I should have gotten that one. <laughs> I was. <laughs> so how how's
0: this? A, how's this a thing? How did a bowling company become part of the military-industrial complex? Well, in the fifties, under the Adams for Peace program, AMF built and sold Pakistan and Iran their first nuclear reactors. Then, in the late fifties. They won a uh, contract, uh, a bid to construct a small reactor for Israel, which actually helped conceal the fact that they were building a larger reactor with France Ah. to make uh, nuclear uh, for military purposes. (laughs) And then in the 60s, they were also producing intercontinental ballistic uh, missile launching systems for the U.S. government. They built launching silos for the Titan and Atlas ICBMs and a rail launching system for the Minuteman
1: missile. I was on something with missile! <laughs>
0: ding, ding, ding. Ah, ding, 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 no point! <laughs> that's crazy, right? That's ridiculous. That's how AMF, a company known as a major manufacturer of bowling equipment, huh. became part of the military industrial complex. That's crazy.
1: That is crazy. But that's not all. Oh, okay, good.
0: What led to the death of Bad. AMF, do you think? Because I mean, the company's not really around
1: anymore. Um, they spent all the of their money. Mm, more or less in the wrong places.
0: You're very close. on them. Is that too vague? I, it's very vague. <laughs> That's like how every company
1: uh, tax evasion. What
0: What do you think was the like the decision? Like the one like what What did oh, they do?
1: They decided not to make bowling balls anymore. No, that doesn't make any sense. Okay,
0: the company had seven presidents <laughs> in ten years between 1972 and 1982. Not good, not stable management. Huh. Uh, so a combination of aging production facilities, rising labor costs, and lack of control over its many divisions led to a steady decline in sales. So how they didn't, and then...
1: Ah, uh, like the Roman Empire.
0: Basically what they did to fix their problem was uh, they continued purchasing new companies in unfamiliar markets and not fixing their old companies. Uh, which meant during the late 70s and 80s, the company lost about $8 million per year. <laughs> Yikes. So they sold off some of their companies and then were eventually uh, acquired through hostile takeover and then sold off. Gutted. Ouch. Yeah, ouch. I'm not about American Machine and Foundry and more about a different sort of research under Adams for Peace. What's another peaceful use of atomic power besides weapons or power plants? That Atoms for Peace encouraged. Just like a category of research, you think?
1: Um medicinal research?
0: Medicinal research is correct! I was hoping you would say medicine, because (laughs) that is the one that I did not research into. (laughs) I researched and said atomic gardening. This is my topic. Oh,
1: now this is your time. Well, I mean,
0: the, there's not a lot to it, so I, I had some interesting stuff leading up to it about ah. a bowling company that built uh, nuclear so missile th- thanks launchers. to this bowling
1: company, the world has Atomic Gardening?
0: No. They both fall under the Adams for Peace program. Ah. Come on, pay attention. Okay. Follow along. Atomic Gardening about... is a form of mutation okay. breeding where plants are exposed to radioactive sources. These are done in gamma gardens. Gamma gardens were originally used to test the effects of radiation on plant life. But research gradually mutated towards using radiation to introduce beneficial mutations to plants uh, to give them useful characteristics.
1: Like GMOs?
0: Like GMOs. Well, see, people talk about GMOs and... Yes, these are genetically modified organisms, but they're not, like, the first. The first would oh, be, like, okay. breeding plants. Like, you got, oh, here's a plant. Here's a plant. That plant's got big seeds. I like big seeds. I won't replant this plant. I'll replant this plant. And it gets bigger seeds over time. Understood. That's a GMO. This is also a GMO. This is a lot more, like, the the public image of a GMO. Oh, gotcha. Blasting it with radiation. So a gamma garden, the circular garden, uh, I think it's usually around five acres in size, and it's got this retractable radioactive source at the center, usually cobalt-60. I'm not Whoa. a chemist. Uh, and the crops would be planted in, like, pie slices, so you'd get, like, kind of like a lot of crops of one type at the edge, and then as it went in, you get less and less, because they're going to die at the center. So radioactive bombardment would occur on the garden for 20 hours, and then in protective gear, the scientists would all come in, they view the results. Um, plants would die at the center, and then further out tumors and growth abnormalities, and then beyond that, that's where you get the cool stuff. That's where you get the the higher-than-normal range of mutations without the damage. Um... And Atomic Gardening was, like, pretty popular. It it mirrored the the post-war society's desire to put the newly discovered atomic energy to good use after seeing, like, the horror that it could do. They wanted to put it to good use. Um, so the Atomic Gardening Society was started by Muriel Howarth, an atomic activist from the UK in 1959. She would, um, send irradiated packets of seeds out to members who would send the reports of what they tried to grow back. Um. It's actually to give hmm. her uh, audience a wider selection of seeds. She would order them from this Tennessee dentist <laughs> who obtained a license <laughs> to a source. Um, CJ Spees. Spees would sell irradiate seeds. Spees seeds. Spees are the bee's knees.
1: CJ Spees.
0: CJ Spees seeds. Buy them here. <laughs> he would sell these irradiate <laughs> seeds to the public, um, which he made in the cinder block bunker in his backyard. <laughs>
1: What?
0: Yeah, he would so he had this the radioactive source in a bunker in his backyard, made of cinder blocks, and he had to radiate seeds and send them to Haworth. Huh? Do you know how many? How many seeds oh. did he send Haworth? Question 8. Um, how many seeds did Speed ship to Haworth?
1: 3 million <laughs> seeds. <laughs> Did I get it?
0: Spee's reportedly shipped whole over 3.5 million seeds.
1: Distributed <laughs> yes! to
0: about 1,000 society members. So this crap source... Of... <laughs> You're crazy. You're getting all my... I gave you some... I threw you some bones because I didn't think that you'd get all of them, but...
1: What is this now? Is that Jeez. three or four? I think
0: you've gotten, like, all of them. No,
1: I definitely have not gotten you all got of them.
0: You got all of them. I'm gonna get none of yours. So... screw you this is cool uh this crowdsourced a ton of gardening declined mostly because it failed to produce noteworthy results but Uh, large-scale gamma gardens remained in use were the question nine were the gamma gardens effective
1: um no because maybe a good number of the plants like a majority of the plants might not be able to be e distributed to I, people to eat
0: this is kind of like a subjective question but i'm going to say that they were effective okay because uh this plantar radiation on large scale developed over 2000 new varieties of plants most of which are now used in agricultural production hmm. two success stories from this process are I've got a question here right after oh, that, okay. that lead-in. Wow. Okay. Question 10. What's a plant that benefited from atomic gardening?
1: Um, uh, Potatoes.
0: I'm disappointed. You forgot my original question.
1: Oh, uh, peppermint!
0: <laughs> Two cultivars of peppermint called Todd's Mitchum and Murray Mitchum, resistant to vert- verticillium wilt, a fungal disease developed from atomic gardening.
1: Man, Nearly, you totally tricked me. I, I was did. not I gotcha. thinking about peppermint at I gotcha. all
0: anymore. I gotcha. Oh, red herring. I gotcha. Nearly all peppermint oil that finds its way into products like chewing gum, toothpaste, mouthwash, and candy comes from these wilt-resistant plants that were developed with Atomic gardening.
1: Oh, wilt-resistant.
0: Wilt-resistant. Um, another plant that was developed with uh, uh, radiation was the uh, ruby red grapefruit was developed um, through radiation to retain retain red tones. The Rio Star Grapefruit is a mutation breed variety that now accounts for over three quarters of the grapefruit produced in Texas.
1: Wow. Who knew?
0: Yeah, who knew? That's wild stuff. So, kind of as a wrap-up, the public skepticism of atomic energy grew. As it grew, nuclear arsenals continued to increase in size across the globe, kind of hand in hand. Uh, atomic gardening kind of fell out of favor along with other atoms of, of peace initiatives people didn't want nuclear energy um, there there was a lot of there, there's a lot of disasters with like uh, fukushima and five Mile Island and stuff that really increased public skepticism of nuclear technology even though honestly it would probably help our current energy crisis because um, because on, on a scale way safer than pumping out all these carbon emissions because look what we're doing we're just gonna kill millions more people by having coal and oil anyway wow um some of the legacy of atoms for peace atoms for peace actually increased the stockpiling of nuclear weapons <laughs> increasing the threat of nuclear war determined governments succeeded in producing nuclear weapons from peaceful technologies that were the knowledge was spread and the materials were, were distributed. And Oops. Whoops. But I mean, I mean, it was product of the times. There's there's a lot of other yeah. stuff in place today that kind of like dissuade Contains people from all that. dissuade people from storing, building nuclear weapons. Uh, it's it's scary stuff. But um, the answer to question one was uh, the power of atomic energy. <laughs> what connects bowling and uh, peppermint? The power. Atomic
1: energy. I don't think I would have ever guessed that.
0: Yeah, it was, it was kind of a it's trick pretty
1: question. Good. Yeah. I I think some of that went over my head.
0: Like what? But I think
1: I learned a lot. Um, uh, some of the scientific process, but I think I generally understood. I'll take
0: any questions.
1: I don't know that I have a good question.
0: Perfect. So. All right. All right, I've got a question.
1: Okay. What's your topic? My topic is about matilda
0: matilda matilda the
1: hunt no empress <laughs> matilda eventually oh. empress matilda um she was born a uh, daughter to king henry the first of england who also at the time was duke of normandy uh, and her mother was queen matilda of scotland so she was named after her mother uh and i also i think also her grandmother was named matilda too who so wasn't named Matilda? Family name Uh, She was born in 1102. So we are taking a big jump back in time for this one. Uh, And she had a brother named William Adlin, who was born uh, the November after... So she was born February 1102, and he's November 1103. So they're pretty pretty close, pretty close in birth. And um, they had a lot of illegitimate uh, siblings because... Uh, king Henry I had many mistresses uh, How many Illegitimate siblings do you think those two had
0: Well I mean that's kind of like the thing to do In 1102 right it's Just to kind yeah, of have hot stuff. A lot of women Around cause you're the
1: king uh, Give mean, me a guess
0: How many siblings Or mistresses
1: Illegitimate siblings oh, okay. I don't um, know how many mistresses 30 Ooh, 22. No. 22. You went a little bit higher than oh, I, than I, than I I've seen
0: Game of Thrones. I know how <laughs> it works.
1: We had 22 illegitimate siblings. Um, when she was little, she learned how to read and embroider and probably had some education on religious morals. Good for her. Um, and we actually don't have a good idea of what she looked like, um, because in history she's been recorded as being beautiful, but... It's also just kind of good ma- it was considered good manners at the time to record the nobles as being beautiful. So there's really <laughs> yeah. no there's really no good Is that like the um, only thing to they tell. all
0: they said was she's beautiful? Kind of like describe her Kind of.
1: They don't have she any wasn't description of her. They were just being nice. They they were just being nice. <laughs> they didn't want to embarrass her. I don't know. I don't know. Um, okay. But uh, Henry V, who is the king of Germany, He really wants to marry her. Um, He wrote to her mother about it to try and convince her. He came several times um, to England to talk to her father. Um, And it was going to look really good for Henry I of England um, because their royal house was was fairly new in the world um, because Matilda's paternal grandfather had conquered... uh, Land of England and Wales. So he was kind of like starting a, a big new royal house in that area. Awesome. Um, so when she was seven years old, she was betrothed to Henry V. He was 24. Uh, and she went to Germany uh, to live with him and brought a bunch of nobles from Normandy with her and uh, 10,000 marks, German marks, which is a lot of money. It's so much money. I don't even know how to tell you how much money there is. Because at that time 10, in the world, we have to be thinking the noble classes hold like ninety eight percent of the wealth in all of Europe. It's insane. Like it's like the I think it's the two percent hold like ninety eight percent of Jeez. the wealth. So it, it's crazy. They are like bonkers rich, and they have all this land. Um. So my question is, what does Henry V do with all that money he gets from her dowry?
0: Henry V. The- the dad?
1: That's who she's marrying. It, there's a lot of Henrys. Would you marry
0: like someone that has the same name as your dad, you think?
1: I mean, <laughs> he's a king. They're both kings.
0: <laughs> okay, if he's a king, then yes.
1: Okay, what's he going to do with 10,000 marks that she 10, brings? 10,000
0: marks. Hmm. He's going to build a boat...
1: <laughs> that was funny because in my head I was saying, I was going to say, Justin's going to say he's going to build a boat. And then you said it. Amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a boat. It's not what it is. What? I yeah. know. That's just what I thought you were going to say. Um, I
0: mean, that's what I'd do he, with 10,000 marks is I'd build a boat.
1: I, I, I didn't even, think I'd build a boat. I don't even
0: know what to do with a the boat. There's no <laughs> water here.
1: Well, Henry V used all that money to fight with the Pope, because he thought that he <laughs> should be crowned Holy Roman Emperor. Okay. And he this was actually an ongoing fight that uh, he had with with a couple popes in a row who were like, no. And he's like, yes, make me the Pope. Um I've so yes. At, at this yeah.
0: time wasn't the King of Germany the Holy Roman Empire Emperor?
1: Uh he is the King of Germany, but he, oh, okay, he yeah, yeah. wants to be the Holy so Roman do you know who
0: the Holy Roman Emperor is at this point? I
1: think I think it's kind of up in the air. Okay. I, I believe. I'm not an expert. But I, mean, I believe it was like
0: everyone wants to be the Holy who
1: doesn't want to be the Holy Emperor. Roman Emperor? Um, uh, in the summer of 1110, um, she is crowned uh, and basically given to an archbishop so that she can further her education. So she learns how to speak uh, and write in German. Uh, she learns t- about their culture and their government uh, Four years later uh, The couple is married Where?
0: Ooh I'll give you a hint If Henry Wanted to be a Holy Roman Empire Emperor He'd want to do it in Rome
1: They're actually married at The Worms Cathedral In Worms <laughs>
0: What? What? Where's Worms?
1: I actually didn't look it up. (laughs) (laughs) One second.
0: Where is Worms? Worm search. I'm looking
1: it up on Google Maps.
0: Okay, Google. Where's Worms? In the ground.
1: I think it's in... I think it's in... Either France or Germany. Anyway, it's called Worms. I mean, it's
0: the same... I mean, at at that point, they're...
1: Worms Cathedral.
0: When did... I don't know. European history is hard for us it's an, Americans. It's in
1: southern Germany. We're okay. not going to worry about that anymore. I just thought it was really hilarious. Okay,
0: so he's he's getting married? Worms. Worms. <laughs> Worms.
1: Uh, and then two years later, uh, they make um, the trek across the Alps.
0: Whoa. Um, to
1: yell at the Pope for excommunicating Henry V for oh. wanting to be the Holy Roman Emperor <laughs> wait, wait, for so, so long.
0: He, he just goes... I want to be the Holy Roman Empire. No, you're out of the church entirely. Get out of here.
1: Yeah, they were like, no, we're gonna excommunicate you, so you Dang. don't bug us anymore. Um, <laughs> so they crossed the pope. They crossed the Alps to yell at the pope. Um, and on their way there, they were gaining control of northern Italy and gaining favor. Favor. And by the time that they were making their way to Rome, the pope actually like got up and like got out. He, like, ran away. He was like, oh. like, I don't want to deal with these people. I'm out of here. Um, so Locked. Henry V became the Holy Roman Emperor. It was, everyone was cool with it. Okay. Um, but for her, it was a little more foggy. Um, because there were a lot of events around this time that these they were, um, you know, showing off their wealth, holding court, wearing crowns, like, on special occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, so people just kind of um, took... Like, hand in hand, um, like, he is the Roman emperor, so she is the empress. But my question for you is, Is um, what year did Matilda become the, the empress of the Holy Roman Empire? What year did they get married again? Um, married 1114.
0: And they crossed the Alps. That's going to take a little bit. And then he became the emperor... I already forgot the first date. I'm gonna go with 11... 22.
1: I actually could not find a day. Oh my! For God. this, because it's a trick question. She was never actually crowned empress. Ah! What happened was um, when that you know the history of the time is being recorded yeah it was accidentally recorded that the Pope had crowned her in Rome, and she never corrected anybody. She just went with it so some she dude... just let everyone call her empress, and I mean there was but there was never really like that ceremony okay. So
0: Empress buying. Oh,
1: that was pretty cool. She was just like, okay. But she went on to be Fake It till you, know, you make it, a, you know. Yeah. A fab wife. She was a fabulous empress. Everyone was like, everyone loved her. She was generally did her duties. She like knew her place in government and went with it. Um, but then Henry V dies uh. in eleven twenty five. Uh oh. Um, and everything gets all shook up because she has no children at this point. They've been married for about uh, 11 years, um, but she never produced an heir, so she doesn't really have right to the throne anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So she has to kind of move back to her dad's castle, and that throne is sort of like left unclaimed, or it's claimed by... um, Like a
0: brother or something?
1: His enemy, actually. Oh. His rival. It's claimed by Henry Henry V's (sighs) rival. Probably like Henry
0: the 12th. Just another Henry.
1: (laughs) She goes back (laughs) to live in Normandy in her dad's castle. Or in England in her dad's castle. Okay. Um, What does she bring with her? Name uh, uh, three of the things she brings with
0: her. She doesn't have any children, so she probably has got like a
1: pet. No.
0: No? Can I have another guess? Yeah. She brings his crown.
1: Yes. And
0: scepter (laughs) and the ball thingy (laughs) she's got all three
1: pieces (laughs) she brings money money uh all of her jewels an imperial dress smart two of henry's crowns oh and more than one and this this is amazing she brings the hand of saint james the apostle oh a very very valuable holy relic she takes with her and she brings it home. The
0: church does like their holy relics. I think that's
1: very cool. A whole hand, which I think I looked into a little that's bit, crazy. and I think um, when he died, like monks hid the hand because they wanted to. They like knew. Oh, they, they like to
0: preserve sc- it. Scavenge off. So a part they of like So They like hid There's it. A relic
1: in here. They hid it. Um...
0: Got to hand it to him.
1: It was pretty smart. So Matilda's dad makes sure that all of his bros in court, all his homies are going to support Matilda if he dies, that he'll, that they'll support her um, taking over oh. his his It's reign. like Survivor. Yeah. Um, but then it's basically she either has to be sent to a nunnery or get married again. So they go with mm. getting married again because that's always good for political alliance. So she marries Geoffrey Lebel of Anjou, Ooh, like the France. pair, France. Yes, Northern France. Wee wee. Um, oui, oui. It's eleven twenty-seven now. She's twenty-five. How old is he?
0: Oh, he's gonna be like eighty.
1: He's fourteen.
0: <laughs> that is gonna be like an old he's dude. He's freaking fourteen ah! years old.
1: <laughs> i but imagine, but you know, he's getting married off at fourteen. She was married off at seven.
0: What? Oh, I didn't she even catch that. She was married
1: when she was age seven. And Henry V was already interested in, like, having her Harry as a wife fifth? when she was six. He was, when they were married, yeah. Um. she was, what would that be? I
0: thought she said she was she seven. Oh, she was betrothed at seven.
1: She was about 12 when we were married. Oh,
0: that's, that's still he gross. He
1: was, at that time, he would have been, like, in his early 30s, oh. so there's still quite a bit of age difference. Because so when she went off to marry him, um, when she left her home, she was seven and he was 24.
0: Mm. That
1: was kind of their original age difference, okay. whatever that is. I, I can't do that math in my head. TikTok. Um, so they get married, and they do not get along at all. They are both like screaming at each other nonstop. They're both very temperamental, um, almost violent people. Like they really are having a horrible time. So. Mm. Um, 2 years later, she goes home because he's lame and she's out of there. 2 years after that, all of a sudden he wants her back and he's writing her all these letters and she's like, "Okay, fine." So, goes back and they have 3 sons. What are their names?
0: Uh, Jean, Luke, and Picard.
1: No. Dang. No. Wait, 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 wait. These Henry. are all names that I've said uh, before. Henry? Okay. Henry?
0: Um, yes. probably named after the What's the guy's name? Jabel. Je-
1: Jeffrey, Jeffrey, yes. So you got
0: Henry, Jeffrey,
1: and... and There's another name.
0: Did you say the pope? It was name? real
1: brief. No, not the Pope.
0: Um, They're
1: definitely not naming anybody after the Pope.
0: Well, you can't name a, a boy Matilda. Because that, that would be... It's Matilda. The third one's Matilda. Mm-hmm. It's not...
1: William after really? her brother. Her brother's oh, William. Oh, I don't
0: remember. That was too far back.
1: Yeah, that was kind of a tricky one. Well, I
0: got two of the three.
1: Yeah, it was pretty good. But her brother actually uh Like ten years earlier, he ended up dying in a shipwreck, a pretty famous shipwreck, I would have built where him a better all boat. of the the captain and the whole crew <laughs> got so drunk that they crashed the ship and what? Like twenty people died. Oh, geez! So he I, was part of the casualty for that.
0: On my boat, I would have hired a better crew. <laughs> anyway, okay. so they have three kids. Yes. Jean Luc and Henry, uh Henry, William, Jeffrey, and, and
1: William. And William. Uh, and then, when we get to eleven thirty five so this is about four years later after they are getting back together, and there's already three sons okay Henry the first Matilda's father mm-hmm. dies oh. so this so because William her brother has died, he would have been the heir, so now she is really the only heir to the throne, but she doesn't make a move to claim it right away she okay. doesn't she doesn't make a move to claim it so there's so she's there's, got a, like there's two... a free throne out there in England. That's by then it's it, it's a pretty powerful house. Who's over in Germany right now? Then? Can, uh, Henry V is. Or, oh I'm no, he's doing his oh, thing. Okay. That's a rival who took his rival. over his throne. Okay. So we and don't, don't have to worry over. about Germany anymore. Okay, we don't forget, forget Germany. Um, they won't do anything. So in the future, Matilda isn't gonna isn't worrying about the English throne. She's she doesn't make really make a move for it to okay. claim it. Um, even though she, she could have, because remember all of her dad's, um, buddies had promised to support her if she was going to try and claim the throne. Because as a woman, she doesn't necessarily have, um, the same claim as like her brother might have. Uh, so instead, uh, her cousin, Stephen decides that he's going to go claim the throne. He was really well loved by Henry I. So he's like oh, I'm gonna make a move for it because I want it and he liked me, so, and I'm his male heir. Um, yeah. So, so he, let's he, go had, for it. he had
0: the strongest claim,
1: too. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Um, and so right away, all of Henry First's, you know, his buddies who had made this solemn oath to support Matilda, they just kind of forget about that and they are supporting Stephen. Because Stephen's cool. He's a cool dude. He's a cool dude. Um, so Matilda, uh, in... 1139 this by now it's four years after the passing of her father she goes with her half brother who is one of the illegitimate uh sons of her father
0: 22 of them
1: yeah and (laughs) she goes with her uncle and they are trying to win back the english throne so this starts um uh an era of history where there is a lot of um castles are being seized um uh, you know, taken, lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's little skirmishes everywhere. There's not really full on battles, but there's people getting in like fights nonstop all over, um, you know, the areas between England and France. Um, and nobody is really winning either side. Stephen or Matilda aren't really winning. Mm. Um, do you have an idea of what this period of history is referred to? Is it is?
0: called the Hundred Years' War?
1: No, no, it's called the Anarchy.
0: Oh. Yep. Hundred Years' War is something else.
1: It doesn't quite last 100 years. <laughs> um, I'd hope not. But the, the biggest um, move Matilda made towards gaining the throne was in 1141. She actually captured Stephen. She captured him and put him in prison. She just got him? She got him. Oof um Ouch. so she hurt so she's you. like great i got him i won she goes to england um and she's ready to be crowned so she's arranging all her coronation and everything but what she does in the meantime is raises taxes on the people of london Uh-oh. and takes away their rights Uh-oh. and so everyone is pissed um and stephen's wife actually uh arranges an army to come and seize um to seize her. Good for her. her That's so, awesome. So That's she runs cool. away. Uh, Steven moves back in and he is re-crowned king. But Matilda I've never Wait, so, so they crowned about- the Queen of England. Yeah, Matilda gets out. She's she's okay.
0: So both of them are okay, but now they're just back to where they started?
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. So Steven's re-crowned king. Um, but she gets the nickname Lady of the English because she doesn't actually ever become Queen of England. Oh. So she kind of gets like, well... She gets a nickname still. Hmm. Um, later, and they're because they're still and they're still fighting because she's she hasn't given up on the crown yet. Um, but she manages manages to uh, escape capture um, from Stephen by doing what?
0: Cross dressing.
1: Close, but not quite. Mm. She wears a white cloak and is able to escape no. in the snow.
0: Oh. and she crosses I thought she would like dress up as a man a
1: river and gets to another castle. She crosses like an ice over a river in a white cape, like in the snow. That's better than George Washington. Washington. He crossed uh, an ice And there world. are another six years of war.
0: So it's not the this. seven years' war either.
1: No. Dang. Well, it's been going on a while already.
0: Yeah. We kinda crossed call it. uh
1: but she at this point she realizes that she's not gonna win. So she starts working to make her son henry the king Ooh. so she is fighting to to get him the throne now um and this kind of all dies down and he a couple times goes to england to try and get the crown maybe he tried to fight for it i'm not sure um but in the end there is a treaty of wallingford in which stephen names henry as his official heir so when stephen dies oh. um Henry becomes Henry II of England.
0: Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess for some reason I was thinking he was Henry VI. But he's not Henry V's son. He's Henry II's grandson.
1: Yes. He's Henry Uh, I's grandson. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah.
0: What did I say? Henry II's grandson?
1: Something like (laughs) that. He's his own
0: grandson.
1: (laughs) Um, But my last question for you, after Matilda's... (sighs) amazing adventure
0: okay of crossing amazing adventure is and combating. is
1: what does what 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 does it say on her tomb
0: Ooh. what what how do you sum up a life like that probably something witty something like um matilda ripped. No, 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 no okay.
1: I've got her... Yeah, another shot. Uh, another,
0: another shot. A, a new attempt. I would put on her tomb...
1: How would you sum up her life?
0: Freaking dope, dude. <laughs> I think no. she'd like that. No, no, no. She, She would be something about the Lady of England. Here lies the Lady of England.
1: Here lies the daughter, wife, and mother of Henry.
0: Oh. Yep.
1: Empress Matilda's life completely revolved around Henry. The Henrys of her life. Her father, her husband, and her son.
0: That's crazy.
1: Isn't that crazy? What a coincidence. And she's the third Matilda in line for her family.
0: It's like it was almost fated to happen.
1: Wow. That's <sighs> the end of mine. I'm exhausted. Wow.
0: Is there a theme between our two this time? You think?
1: Um, there's a, there's like a uh, power thing. There's like yeah. I was gonna say you have war in yours. War. It's, it's mine is
0: about for war power. Search for power.
1: Yeah.
0: Atomic Henry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Atomic Matilda.
0: Ooh, Atomic Matilda
1: that would be a cool uh, That's our like title top star name. I
0: mean it could be the title of but our Tom episode. Tilda. I think it'll be the title. Right. Thank you all for uh for listening to episode two.
1: Yes. Stay tuned for an episode three. Ooh. We are going to be a lot better about now, putting out episodes. Yeah. don't worry. It's not gonna
0: be one a year. It's gonna be two a year or more.
1: <laughs> two plus. That's the promise two we plus. can make.
0: That means we have to do another one this year. So, Caitlin, where where can people find this? We
1: can be found at the Here's What We Know Facebook page and also Google Podcast and iTunes.
0: iTunes. We're on iTunes. Do
1: you have any more questions?
0: Yeah. Um, who won?
1: Oh, oh, I, I won. I won. Yeah, you
0: definitely won. You got, like, all of mine right.
1: I surprise myself with how smart I am every time we do this podcast.
0: Yeah.
1: We should do another one.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to take home the Coca-Cola thermometer first, though.
1: I will do that. Alrighty. So episode Guaranteed.
0: three is coming out soon, folks. Soon as in in the future soon. And we would like to thank...
1: Um, the artist Mon Plaisir. Uh,
0: For the use of their...
1: I think I'm saying that.
0: ...song Jingle 2 from freemusicarchive.org as the use uh, that we used for our intro music.
1: You're so right. All right. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.